This is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that she practices every day that allows her to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader reminds us to follow your own story. Never give up on your dreams, no matter what anyone tells you and don't give up on yourself. If you love something, just do it. Listen in and learn from this expert kayaker that's overcoming obstacles that she's facing every day in her life expedition. These lessons are ones that you too can apply every day to live your life with success. Tracy Lynn Martin is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 48 starts now. Welcome to the program, Tracy Lynn Martin. I am really excited for you to be here as my guest on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. Well, thank you very much. I'm really honored that you invited me on the show. Oh, what a journey. I have connected to people that knew you from um, sailing. And Rick and Shirley Collins said, you need to get a hold of Tracy and (laughs) you need to have her... Uh, be a part of your show because of the things and the journey that you have been on. I can't wait to share your story with people. So, you know, this is all about inspiration and I am dedicated and intentional about this show. I'm a little hoarse, but we're going to get through it. I'm going to apologize right now, but I, um, I am just overjoyed that you're here at this time of the year for people to think about what they're going to do in 2019 that can change their life. And, so for you, you have had an, an immense journey of, I think when I read kind of your story behind the scenes, you know, it's that, it's that Nike, just do it. <laughs> you yeah. just did it and you kept doing it. So thanks for coming on and, and really, you know, I welcome you to, to really help connect to the guest and I want the guest to connect to you and, oh, thank um, you. yeah, and, and really be able to appreciate this. So, um, so I know you work in medical. You're you're actually you have a full time job, like a lot of people that create an yes. inspiration. <laughs> and and so this isn't like what your story is going to be about. Isn't just what you decided to do. It's part of your life, right? It's part of who you yes. are. So and it's it's become it's a part of who I've become now too. I've um, it changes you when you do something of this magnitude. You leave. Um, one person, you come back a totally different person. So it definitely does change you. You know, I know, you know, I'm not going to get into politics, but Michelle Obama has that becoming, you know, becoming Michelle Obama. It's like, Mm -hmm. I think about that and that just title as I started connecting to you and thinking, oh my gosh, you've changed so much through this journey. But, Uh um, you know, that's, that's what's amazing to people is you can do it from anywhere that you are. You can become whoever you are dreaming that you want to be. You can become who you were meant to be, yep. who you were born to be. Yep. Because I think that everyone inside of their head, they have an image of who they want to be or who they felt like they were born to be. It's just a matter of having the, um, I don't know, the belief in yourself to be able to go out and just do it. So what was the time in your life that you thought differently about yourself? And what was the moment that changed you? Well, um, I've always enjoyed kayaking, 
being out on the water is sort of my safe place. Whenever there's a lot of stress going on in my life, that's where I head for. Um, when um, my father was ill and he passed away, I spent a lot of time out on the water, just personal relationship troubles. Um, when during my divorce, I would go out and spend a lot of time kayaking when my son was diagnosed with autism. Um, so for me, the water is my safe place. Mm -hmm. And I have always admired people who was able to go do long expeditions and was able to be an explorer. Sometimes in my heart, I've always felt like, you know, I wish I could have explored, you know, Greenland or explored around the coastline. And just to, um, just to be able to spend that amount of time out on the water. But with the responsibilities of having a family and having a job and maintaining a house and, you know, just the day-to-day -day responsibilities that we all have, um, it, that just wasn't really feasible to be able to do that. But, you know, um, but, but stopping right there and you think about so many people that say, well, I can't, I have these barriers, you know, I don't have time for that. I don't have really time to think about me as a mother as, you know, a, a, a career person, you know, I've got to bring an income in and I've got to take care of my kids and they're involved in school stuff. And, you know, we've got family responsibilities. And so, you know, all of us fall into those categories. And, and so what, but you, what you were able to do through that is like you just talked about the things that you really were connected to that gave you peace, that brought you harmony, that helped you bring clarity to your life. And the thing that was, um, you know, the, the reason that I did my expedition was to show people who suffer from chronic pain and disabilities that anything is possible. Never give up on your dreams. Never give up on yourself. But the process that it took to get to that point to be able to do um, a 10-month-long expedition, um, you know, there was a lot of roadblocks that um, get thrown into your path, self roadblocks as long as well as roadblocks from other people. And it's just a matter of telling yourself that it's okay to take 10 months for myself. People would tell me, people frequently would tell me, how could you be away from your children for 10 months? And, you know, my children at the time was 24, um, 14 and 10. And, I had given them my entire life. I had my daughter at 25. I was now 49. I had given them my entire life. Everything was devoted to them. And all that I was asking for was 10 months for myself. Mm -hmm. And I had made arrangements that they would spend those 10 months. Well, my daughter was grown and married and had her family of her own. But the two boys, you know, I made arrangements with their father that they would spend those 10 months with their father. And then um, when they were home during the summer, then they came up and spent six weeks with me during the summer. But, you know, I, th I think it's okay at some point in your life to say, um, it's okay to do this for me. Mm -hmm. The Without value, people right? coming back and saying that, um, you know, judging you on that, I think. Mm -hmm. The value that you put on yourself, because we always kind of put ourselves second and as, mm -hmm. as, leaders as influencers you know we really want to push ourselves like I'm giving to you it feels good it's rewarding to help others but you do that's the point that a lot of people miss is it's okay to give yourself permission to do the things that are inspiring to you 
because you grow and you learn through that. And I teach a lot about um, different laws of different practices and values. And as you were going through, you know, how you set this up, I think of the law of design, you know, and, and just intentionally making sure that you have the opportunity to give yourself the best outcomes, right? And so you said, right. I've got I've to plan all this. I've got to dedicate it. I've got to commit to it. And I'm going to give myself this timeline. And so you had an accountability plan, right? And, yes. and so those are the things that, you know, a lot of people might get to the point of, hey, I have this dream. I'm going to, you know, put this on a, on a board and look at it as a dream board. But then the steps that it actually took you. And I want you to talk about maybe some of those steps, some of the fears, or some of the things that maybe didn't go exactly as planned. And, mm-hmm. and then you had to kind of stop back and readjust a little bit. Yeah, when you're putting on something like this, a lot of things sort of fall apart. (laughs) And um, you're really (laughs) lucky if everything goes according to plan. But, um, you know, it was, I I think a lot of people, they sit back and they think, this is my bucket list. And um, they have, you know, they have all of these dreams that they want to do on their bucket list. But then they never take the moment to say, it's time, it's, it's time to do my bucket list now. It seems like now never comes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so for me, the first step was saying, um, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm, re- I'm at a crossroads in my life and I'm going to do this. And I think that's, that's the important um, ingredient that you have is that you're at for whatever reason, you're at a crossroads and, okay, I can go this way or I can go this way. What am I going to do? And once you make the real decision that you're really going to do this, then it's just a matter of figuring out how you're going to do it. I mean, a lot of people have done long-term expeditions. Uh, There's been a lot of women that have done long-term expeditions. And, And the thing is, once they figure out once they know they're going to do it, then it's easy to figure out how you're going to do it. Mm, that's that mindset. You know, you look at the goal and say, that's where I want to go. But if you know where that mm-hmm. goal is, then you got to work backwards, right? you got to work backwards right. in your plan. So it's so great because the timing of this, you know, at the end of the year, talking about people and, and what they're setting up for 2019, you know, what mm-hmm. a perfect opportunity for people to connect to you and understand that you were going on, <laughs> if people don't know your story, you were going to go on an 8,600-mile journey in a kayak. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Girl. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that was the original plan. Well, actually, <clears throat> it's sort of funny. <clears throat> the original plan was that I was going to be the first person to circumnavigate all five of the Great Lakes. And... Um, and it just sort of started snowballing, you know. That was my plan. I had been up and paddled Lake Superior before and absolutely in love with Lake Superior. And I had discovered that no person had ever successfully uh, circumnavigated all five of the Great Lakes in under a year. And most people said it wasn't even possible to do it. And 
then it just started snowballing. Um, I was going to try to be the first person to paddle the most miles. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I was going to be the first person to paddle the most miles. And then people's like, well, you have to, um, that's not enough miles. You have to add more miles on. And so through this two-year process of um, doing a lot of research, I expanded the route to include the entire um, um St. Lawrence Seaway, which it was, it was an amazing, um, it was, it was an amazing time to try to put something of that magnitude together and trying to get people that were willing to help me and just the logistics of trying to plan something like that out. It was just, um, it was pretty phenomenal. The amount of people that were willing to step up and help me, just strangers. Where do you even start? You know, where do you even start with something like that? I mean, people could put that on a whiteboard all day and say, I want to do this. But how did you take that first step? Well, okay, so I am a kayak racer. I do a lot of races here in Missouri. There's a lot of races on the Missouri River and then um, in South Dakota, Texas. I mean, they're just all over the place. So that's sort of my background is I enjoy getting out on the water and doing long distance races, 50 miles, a hundred miles. There's one race, 350 miles. Um, so I was at a race and someone had mentioned that on their bucket list, they were going to be the first person to, after they retired, they're going to be the first person to paddle all five of the Great Lakes that had never been done before. (laughs) And, um, and I remember telling him, oh, I'm sure it's been done. Everything has been done at least once. You know, everything's (laughs) been done at least once. He's like, no, uh, everyone that's tried it has failed. And I'm, when I retire, I'm going to take off in my boat and be the first one to do it. So, um, you know, and then the, it was like a 30-second conversation that was just totally then forgotten about. Um, a year later, my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and she wanted to stay home. And with me uh, being a nurse, I took some time off from work to be able to stay home and and, and do the things that she wanted at home. Um, but she slept a lot, so I needed something to pass the time, you know, and when I feel anxious, I suppose, or sad. My first instinct is to get onto the water, but I couldn't, you know, I needed to stay there. So this random, long forgotten conversation just sort of popped in my head. And I thought, you know, I'm going to look that up and see if he's right. And so I started researching it right there at the, at the table next to my mom. And, um, and I found out he was right. I had discovered three people that had attempted it over the years, and all three men and all three had failed. And they hadn't really even gotten very far with it. Wow. Um, so then I just started researching, well, how, if you were going to do this, how would you do it? I bought a little journal, and I started writing down notes. And my original plan was, you know, I just thought I would do it for fun just to pass the time. And then the next time I saw this individual at a race, I just hand him the journal and say, well, you know, here you go. So I started researching, how would you do it? Is it possible to do it? Or, you know, I didn't know, um, I knew more about Superior, but I wasn't that familiar with the other lakes. So it's like, do the lakes really connect? Can you do this by water? How many miles would it take? Um, You know, portages that you might need to do, uh, supplies that you would need. What would be the logistics of doing something like this? Would you need a support boat? Would you need just a truck, some type of support vehicle? 
And so um, during the three months of my mom's illness, um, this was sort of my project that kept me sort of grounded and sane during the time that she was passing away. And, um, and so the notebook was full of all this information, three months worth of information and research. So after, um, the funeral, um, you know, I had this notebook and, um, I was sort of at a crossroads in my life. Um, you know, I've lost both parents now and you, you, you sort of feel like an orphan. You sort of feel a little bit lost because mm-hmm. your parents ultimately keep you grounded. They're your, they're your, you know, your cheerleaders and your support system. And, you know, once you've lost both parents, you, you sort of feel sort of lost. So I was feeling a little bit lost. And I was at this crossroads and there was this journal that I had spent three months researching everything imaginable. And I just thought, you know, um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to be the first person to circumnavigate all five of the Great Lakes. I'm going to do the adventure I've always wanted to do ever since I was a little girl. I've always wanted to do an adventure. I love the water. I love kayaking. Um, I did have a background in not only kayaking, but racing and spending long amounts of time on the water. Um So, and I think that's really important. I don't want, I want to inspire people to do the things in life that they love. I don't necessarily want to encourage people who know very little about kayaking to just grab a $150 boat from Walmart and jump on the Great Lakes (laughs) because that would just seriously be dangerous. Exactly. And they could potentially lose their life. Um, well, they say, to, you know, they say Lake Michigan is, we have a sailboat up there and, and they talk about that, how dangerous because it changes so rapidly when you're on oh a my big lake like that. And and so, yeah. And, and so if you don't understand that, you're exactly right. If you're just saying, oh gosh, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do what Tracy did. But right. you are just kind of, uh, you know, uh, you do this for fun. <laughs> yeah. And not as no, serious. I had never, I'd never been on Lake Superior when it was just crazy, um, you know, just crazy out there. If I had gone up to the region and the lake was crazy, I just stayed off of it. Um, so I had no concept. I had read lots of stories of people saying that the lake can change in 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and in the back of my mind I thought they're exaggerating you know I was used to the lake of the Ozarks mostly my paddling experience was on rivers Mm -hmm. but you know I had paddled on some lakes and I had spent some time paddling on the ocean when I would drive down to the Gulf of Mexico I'd always take my boat and paddle along the Gulf of Mexico I've paddled along Virginia Beach But the ocean and the Great Lakes, you know, the ocean, they have huge swells. The Great Lakes, it's very choppy and very fast. And so when I read that the lakes can change in 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. I thought it was an exaggeration. Mm -hmm. And the first time that I was out there and um, the wind, I was about a mile from shore, the wind changed direction on me. And all of a sudden, in 15 minutes, it went from calm to I was fighting five-foot waves. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a real learning experience. The entire 10 months was a huge learning experience. And um, so I know that just this year alone, there was a um, very tragic um, experience where a family went out 
it was a mom and a dad and their three little girls. They went out in boats and they were experienced kayakers. They were on Lake Superior around the um, south shoreline. And the wind all of a sudden picked up. The waves got too big. Their kayaks toppled over. Lake Superior has an average water temperature year-round of about 40 degrees. Um, and without having a dry suit, I had a dry suit on my entire 10 months pretty much. So if I fell into the water, you know, I had layers on under the dry suit. I had time to be able to get back into my boat. Mm-hmm. And my boat was designed that I could get back into it. And I had practiced. I was very confident that I could always get back into my boat. But they were in plastic um, kayaks that didn't have bulkheads. They weren't designed for big waves. And the kayaks pretty much sunk on them. Mm-hmm. So now they were wearing life jackets, but they're, they're wearing regular clothes in 40-degree water. And um, they all perished except for the mom wow, uh, from so hypothermia. You know, they didn't even drown. They had on life jackets. They they found them, but they had um, perished from hypothermia. So, so sad. It is. It's it's really sad. And so um, I what I had always wanted to do was to inspire people that live with chronic pain. I have rheumatoid arthritis. My uh, the joints and my feet, my ankles and my knees are just pretty much shot. I live with a with a with a certain amount of pain every single day. Um, but my upper body is strong, and so I can kayak all day long. I just can't walk. <laughs> um, so my message was to inspire people with chronic pain and disabilities to never give up on themselves and to never give up on their dreams because it is so easy to let people around you tell you that you can't do this or you can't do that. When I was first diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, I had people telling me, well, you're not going to be able to kayak anymore. You're not, I used to run triathlons. You're not going to be able to run anymore. And um, after my diagnosis, I was able to continue running for several years after that. I can't do it now. Um, But I can still kayak. And so my message to people is to never give up on yourself, never give up on your dreams, and never let other people tell you what you can and cannot do. If you're passionate about something, if you love something, do it. Because it doesn't matter if you're sitting at home in bed hurting or if you're out doing the things that you love and you're hurting. Um, for me, at least, when I'm out on the water, even if my knees and my ankles and my feet are throbbing, if I'm out on the water paddling and I've got the, the water spray in my face and the wind's blowing my hair, I just feel good mentally. And when I feel good mentally, I forget that physically my feet and my legs hurt. And so that's my message to people. And um, that's what I'm trying to get across to people. Well, it's a great message. And in so many people, you know, the things that you experience, the things that you talk about, you know, stopping and thinking, can I get through this, right? You had to do so much of the design to make sure that everything was going to be perfect. And still mm-hmm. things are going to happen, right? And and so yeah. if you talk about people and say, oh, you were on a 10-month journey. Now, what did you do when the sun get, went down? Did you stop at each of these ports? What did that look like? Because, you know, you think, oh, my gosh, she was on the water in a kayak for 10 months straight and she never got to land. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heavens, no. You know? <laughs> oh, my gosh, no, no. Um, yeah, so I had... 
my kayak was designed um, that I was able to carry a sleeping bag and a tent and supplies with me. I was also able to get a support driver. It was a retired gentleman from a local kayaking club here in Kansas City. And so he was willing to, um, originally I had two drivers. One driver was going to do the first five months and then he was going to do the last five months. And then my first driver, uh, three days into the expedition, he said, you know, this is more work than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and uh, I'm out of here. So, um, yeah, that's one of those things that, okay, now what am I going to do? So I contacted uh, my family. I contacted the man that ended up being with me for the whole 10 months, Bill Noble, Um he was like, well, I can try to get up there a little bit sooner. And then my sister took some time off from work and her and her husband came down and they were my support drivers for several weeks. And then, um, and then starting in April, then Bill was my support driver and he stayed with me until December when I finally quit. But a normal day would be you, um, I would get up and um, get my gear together, get my dry suit on, figure out how many layers I would need. On warm days, I would have one layer under my dry suit. On, you know, March and December, I had three layers under my dry suit in case I would, I would always dress for cold water immersion. I would always dress with the idea that I'm going to go swimming today. I'm going to get knocked down on my boat. Waves are going to knock me out. And that didn't happen very often. And in fact, after May, that never happened. Um, from March to May, I did get knocked out a few times, but I always dressed as if I was going to get knocked out, I knocked out on my belt because I always wanted to make sure that I was going to be safe if I was in the water because the water up there is really cold. Um, and so you just have to roll with it when something unexpected happens and your plans are, um, sort of evaporates. You just have to be able to be flexible and roll with it and feel okay this didn't work. What am I going to do? So, yeah. And I have to give credit to all of the people who strangers who was willing to help me, but a typical day would be, I'd get up, get my gear together, get my dry suit on, um, get my boat down to the water. I would paddle. Um, usually, usually on the great lakes, early mornings and late evenings are the best time to paddle. There's a time period, usually somewhere between, 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. where the wind picks up and the water just gets crazy. And, you know, it's not always the case, but typically that's the case, especially on Lake Superior. So sometimes I would just battle the wind. It would depend on if the wind was blowing over my head from the shoreline or coming at me from the open water. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I could stay out there. And sometimes I would paddle 12, 13, 14 hour days. And I would just stay out there and paddle. I'd paddle into the night. Um, if I knew I was at a place where my support driver could meet me at a boat ramp, then I would paddle into the night and meet up with him. He'd have a big, huge spotlight and I could zoom in on the spotlight. I was usually (laughs) a mile out and I would paddle directly to him from the spotlight. Um, other times if I knew that I wasn't going to make it to him or if I was in really remote areas, a lot of wilderness up there, Mm -hmm. especially around the northern shore of Michigan Mm -hmm. and uh, the north side of Lake Superior, Um, even the south side of Lake Superior. Lake Superior is very wilderness. Um, Then I would I would just pull off. Usually I would pull off about an hour before sunset. That would give me an hour to set up my tent, get everything in my tent, eat something real fast 
and get inside my tent before it got dark. Mm-hmm. Did so you have any those experience usually... with animals or anything that, uh, you know, unexpected up in Michigan? Right. Did you have anything like that happen? Um, you know, I did not. I, I, my entire um, way of setting up my camp was to avoid any unexpected <laughs> encounters with animals, ba- basically bears. You do not yeah. want to attract any bears to your camp. Um, there'd be times that I would hear noises, and every time I heard a noise, I would always have to go out to investigate to see what was going on. Because if there's a bear walking around your camp, you really need to know and, yeah. <laughs> and get it, you know, get get away. Usually, a bear isn't after you; they're after your food. Um, so if there was a bear in my camp, if you can make some loud noises and, and stomp around and make a lot of loud noises, you know, maybe if I'd always have a marine radio on, I'd turn that, you know, you would potentially turn the volume of that up really high, trying to scare them. And if they are not scared away, then you just need to get out of their way and just let them rummage through your supplies and take what they want. So I would, um, (laughs) I'd have a sign. I'm a sharer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I would, I would get out of my tent at night with my little flashlight and look around and I saw foxes. I saw raccoons, um, small animals that I couldn't quite identify that would dart into the woods really fast. Um, lots of birds. (laughs) I mean, oh my God, so many birds, but I never saw anything that potentially could harm me, mainly bears, but I would set my camp up in a way that, um, would not attract bears because that's not what you want. You don't want to be out in the middle of the wilderness. Um, and a bear comes and destroys your kayak trying to find food. <laughs> no kidding. I think that would be really, you know, for people that are trying to think about this in their mind, being by mm-hmm. yourself in a kayak, even though you were experienced, like there are so many things that naturally, I mean, I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, when we sailed our boat down from Traverse City to Michigan City, and uh-huh. the things that we didn't know that we experienced, like the 40 degree temperatures and how cold it can be, and how mm-hmm. you just have to keep that mindset, like, you are on a mission. You have a goal to reach. Your journey is about, you know, the experience. And then, and and you were kind of isolated, but you met, you know, this person that was kind of your support person. But were mm-hmm. there were there things that you learned about yourself through this? Oh, my gosh, yes, absolutely. Um, I learned that I was a much stronger person than I'd ever given myself credit for before. Um, besides having rheumatoid arthritis, I also suffer from severe migraines and, um, you know, when I'm at home and a really bad migraine hits, I'm pretty much incapacitated. I'm laying in bed, I'm throwing up. Uh, it feels like someone has taken ice picks and just ripping my head apart with ice picks. Um, I need the room to be dark and quiet and, um, I'll try to take um, I have some prescription medicine I'll try to take for that to um, stop the migraine. And, you know, sometimes I'm throwing the medicine up because I can't keep it down. Um, and um, I must say that I was more worried about the, the migraines during this expedition than I was about my rheumatoid arthritis. And um, at home, I was having usually about two really bad ones a month where I'm just down for 24 hours throwing up. Um, when I was out paddling, that went, the really bad ones, I only had maybe one every two months. And I don't know if it was the fresh air. I don't know if it was maybe the lack of, of stress of getting up and managing a job. 
you know, I don't, I have no idea why, but the um, migraines really decreased. But when I did have them, um, there was twice that I had a really bad one where I'm throwing up. And normally I would just lay in bed and, and make the room dark and I wouldn't want to move. I was able to get up take my tent down, pack my, cause I'm in, I'm, I'm remote. I'm on the North shore of Superior. I was on, one was North shore of Superior. The other one was Georgian Bay. And, um, you know, there's no one around. I, I'm going to be remote camping for five or six days. There's no one around. I don't have the luxury to just lay there and, and spend 24 hours and not move. So with this, migraine and puking on myself I got up I took the tent down I packed up my supplies I pushed my boat off and I paddled 20 miles I would never mm-hmm. ever have thought I could have done that before you know I would never have thought I could have done that wow. and so you you learn that you have an inner strength inside of you and you tap into it there were times like around um big bay around Lake Superior it had been raining all day, you know, you're out there, you're wearing your dry suit. So who cares if it's raining on you? Um, but all of a sudden these dark clouds just came in out of nowhere and it went from just raining to a, a, a full blown thunderstorm with lightning overhead. And I had nowhere to go. I was halfway through an eight miles of sheer cliffs and there was nowhere to go. If turning around wouldn't have helped me because I was, I was about four miles. And again, it went from about one to two foot waves, which I was very capable of handling to all of a sudden six foot waves with rebound off of the cliffs. And the waves were like going over my head and it was lightning and it was thundering. And, um, you know, you, you, you don't have a choice. You have to just, um, keep your, keep yourself together and dig deep and just deal with the situation and, and just deal with the situation. So having an expedition like this really shows you the type of person that you are. And it shows you that you're really stronger than you ever think you were before, you know, than you ever had thought that you were. Mm-hmm. And and so for you, when you started to plan this, I just think about like, you know, everyday people, right? This show is about everyday people. You work, Mm -hmm. you have a full-time job and and you have a passion for this, Mm -hmm. but learning what you learned, what would be your message for people that are thinking about a bigger challenge than they ever could have imagined (laughs) and trying to start to plan that? You know, we talk about that one next Mm -hmm. step, that one next step, and that's going to get you to the next step. But um, it's tough. The biggest thing, yeah, the biggest thing would be to to be honest with yourself and say, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy to say, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And one day I'm going to do this. But you have to tell yourself, I am going to do this. And then it's just a matter of figuring out, well, how are you going to do it? Um, if you own a house, is this important enough to you? And you, again, it depends on what it is that you're planning on doing. Right. Um, you may have but, some trade-offs, um, right? You may have well, the trade-offs right. that you have to, you know, decide right. what's the most important um, thing. There was, I don't know if, if your listeners are familiar with um, a man called Roland Kruger, um, but 
he um, there was a woman that wanted to paddle with him when he was paddling uh, around Baja, I believe it was. Um, and I, I read about her briefly as I was trying to figure out how I was going to do my own expedition. She, um, you know, she rented her house out to, to someone. She um, was able to um, have enough. It doesn't really take a lot of money to do something like this if you're planning on just camping every night and if you don't have a support vehicle. And so, you know, she had figured out a way to do it. And that really inspired me Mm -hmm. to figure out how I was going to do it. Um, And so once you tell yourself, I'm going to do this, it's just a matter of putting the pieces together and doing it. People are intelligent. We're smart. And you, the key thing is just telling yourself, I'm going to do it and believe in it and just doing it. Well, it's that Um, mindset. I love taking us through that, you know, it really is about the mindset. Once you've decided, you know, it's maybe I could, or I would like to do that. But once Uh you've decided, made that decision, like the three frogs on a log, right? (laughs) How many jumped off? Well, who decided to do it? (laughs) (laughs) But it it was the first one. They were pushing each other. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But you know, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. (laughs) It's a great lesson because, um, You know, we've all experienced that. We can all think of a time when it's either, you know, moving from, you know, living uh, in your parents' home to moving out for the first time or getting married or getting divorced. You know, those those really critical decisions that you have done. Everybody, every one of us has been through it, but we don't give ourselves credit. We go, oh, I I haven't been strong enough to do anything. And you're like, yes, you have. Look at your life, Right. If your passion is to is bike riding, and if you want to, you know, bike ride along the East Coast or bike ride across America, there's ways of figuring out how to do that. I think the first thing you need to decide is, you know, what is your passion? What is it that you've always wanted to do? Um, I ever since I was a child, I always wanted to do some grand ex- expedition. Um, I wanted to be an explorer, and um, you know, my father would tell stories. He was actually older when he had me. He had fought in World War II. Um, he had fought in the Korean War. He had gone all over the country and explored a lot of the world. He was an explorer. And as a little girl, I would sit at the table and listen to him tell his stories at night. And I wanted to grow up and be just like my father and be an explorer. And that passion stayed with me all through my adult life. Um, but it was buried. It was buried because, you know, I, I ended up going to college. I married my high school sweetheart. We had three kids together. I was trying to be a good mother. I was trying to be a good nurse. I was trying to do, you know, the things that we're told is really important to do. And they are important to do. It's important to be a good parent. It's important to have a stable job. But in the back of my mind, there was still that little girl in me saying, I want to be an explorer. I want to, <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to do an expedition. And so it's just a matter of, I realize not everyone would want to do what I did, but if you have a passion that you want to do, maybe you want to explore Europe. Maybe you want to sail. Maybe you, you know how to sail and you want to sail across the world. Maybe you just want to bike ride along the, the North Shore. Or if you want to, um, 
you know, hike the Appalachian Trail, whatever it is that your passion is telling you that you want to do, whatever your spirit is telling you want to do, just do it, figure it out and do it. And you will come back a changed person. And yeah. I feel changed for the better. You'll come back a stronger person. Well, and the, and you just said something that's so important. You know, you will come back changed. And, and then we talk about fear, right? Because so many people say, I don't want to change. I'm fine the way that I am. I have this dream, but I'm not willing to give up something to experience something greater. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that is, I see that so many times in people where they're like, I want to take this step. And I see that vision. I see it down there, but I'm, I don't really believe, and you've talked a lot about this, but believing in your own self that you can achieve it and giving yourself permission to do those things in your life, to put yourself and your values first so that you can experience what that change looks like because that change is unbelievable. It is, and uh, it's very rewarding. I feel like a much better person because I now know how strong I really am. I had no idea how strong I was before I did this expedition. I had no idea the amount of strength I was capable of tapping into. I had no idea how brave I was before. And, you know, um, and so so you always come back changed and changed for the better. And it looks like, and and when I take people through leadership training and we, we go through books, you know, and we say, go through this for 15 weeks. And then when you come back through it, you're going to have a whole different perspective because of what you've learned. And as, as you're talking about this, I think about all those examples, right? Now that you've done this, what are you looking at next for how you're going to approach your next goal? What, mm-hmm. What's next for Tracy? Well, um, I'm planning on going back in 2020 and trying it again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I my goal was to be the first person to circumnavigate all five of the Great Lakes. And, um, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. It was the first time I'd ever did an expedition of any type, you know, this type of magnitude. I'd gone into the boundary waters before. I'd, I'd kayaked and canoed, you know, two weeks at a time along the boundary waters. That was the longest expedition I'd ever, if you even want to call that an expedition, it was more of a vacation. <laughs> um, so I made tons of mistakes and mistakes that cost me precious time because basically on the Great Lakes, you're racing against the clock, you're racing against time. You know, how soon can you start paddling? Uh, when do you have to be off the water? It's not like, you know, they, you tell yourself you have one year, but really you don't because the ice and the cold prevents you from starting on January 1st. And it's probably going to prevent you from paddling all the way to December 31st. So that's why so many people will say, well, this isn't even possible to do it. Um, I took a week off from paddling to come back to Kansas City to get my boys during when on their last day of school because they had, you know, the whole summer off. Um, I took a week off to um, spend some time with them. We did some touristy stuff up or up around the Apostle Islands and Pitchard Rocks. And then I drove them to the Minneapolis airport and flew them back home at the end of their at the end of the six weeks that they were with me. That was two weeks of paddling time that I would never, I'll never get back. Um, I was trying to do a Guinness World Record for um, the most miles paddled 
and the type of we keep saying kayak the type of boat i used is really called a surf ski so i was trying to also do a guinness world record for the most miles paddled in a surf ski um and um so guinness requires the boat that you start with is the boat you have to use the entire time guinness does not have a world record for the first person to do all five of the great lakes that was my own personal um, challenge to myself. That's what I had wanted to do. So when I go back, I'm not going to worry about Guinness. I'm not going to worry about all the Guinness rules and all the regulations. I am going back for me and I'm going back to prove to myself that I can be the first person to circumnavigate all five of the Great Lakes in one year. That's going to mean I'm going to have two boats with me. Um, My primary boat that I used in 2017, you know, I'm out there by myself And so sometimes I'm trying to land on rocky shoreline with four and five foot surf behind me. And I got thrown up on the rocks quite often and my boat was damaged quite often. And so I was taking one and two days off to patch patch my boat and repair my boat. If I had had a backup boat, the next day I could have been paddling and my support driver could have been working on my boat. Or when I got off the water at night, I could work on my boat. Um, So... I'm going to, I'm going to, um, find volunteers that's willing to bring my children up with me if they want to stay with me for, um, for another (laughs) six weeks, I'm going to find volunteers that's willing to take my children to the airport. Um, you know, and again, they're going to be older. My son's going to be 18 and my other son is going to be 14. So there's no guarantee they're even going to want to come up and do this with me again. Um, (laughs) You know, so of course they will. They're going to support mom. And, <laughs> you know, and there's just all these little things that I learned that I can save time on. Um, so um, I feel like when I go back and I try again, I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm not doing it to prove any type of record. I'm doing it for me. I think that's huge. It is huge because you know you um, you know you know your expectations are. Whatever I do, I, I, that the value that I'm putting on myself is I will be satisfied with the results that I am wanting to achieve. You know, you've got it designed the way that you want it. You have mm-hmm. a plan for a timeline. You are looking to improve those things that you learned about yourself the first time. So you're, you know, navigating the waters, if you will, but you're really navigating to make it the success to have value in your own life. So you can be successful. Um, You know, I made a lot of mistakes the first time around. And it's mistakes I'm not making the second time around. So um, I'm going to try this one more time. And uh, when people ask me why, I always refer them back to there was a swimmer. Her name was Diane. And she was trying to swim from... um, I believe it was Cuba to the United States and she attempted this swim. It was an open ocean swim. She, I think she attempted it four or five times and she was finally successful when she was like 54 years old. Um, and so, um, you know, I always refer them back to Diane, but I am going to go back and try this one more time. I will be, um, when I did it last year, I was 50 years old. Um, when I go back, I'll be, heading into 52, 53 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try it one more time. I'm going to do it for me. I'm not going to make the mistakes I made the first time. And um, 
there's things that I want, I want to enjoy the journey more. Uh, last year, I was so focused on, you know, the time I, I've, I've got to get here, I've got to get there. And I, I lost some of the um, just absorbing where I was at absorbing what was around me. And I, and I go back and I'm trying to think about this port or that port. And it's sort of a blur sometimes. I want to take the time to really absorb what it is that I'm doing and really enjoy the journey more the second time around. Wow, that's so important. Oh my gosh, what lessons. <laughs> what yeah. lessons you've taught us. I Oh, if people could understand, um, and I, I teach this a little bit, but you know, I think about I was trying to take piano lessons <laughs> and, and my teacher said, enjoy the journey. Stop coming in here trying to be perfect. You know, it's about learning it. And um, my grandmother had played the piano by forever, and I picked it up by ear. But I wanted to learn kind of, you know, the methodical, you know, structure to it. And and I got caught up a long time ago in learning, like, just enjoy the journey. And it is so has come back to resonate so many times in life. And I think that's a great message for people of finding your passion connecting to your own spirit don't give up and just do it do whatever that is that is it in your life the strengths that you have to just find that connect to it and follow it yeah it's a very um you know people talk about mindfulness and um meditation it is a very um, unique opportunity for any individual to reconnect with themselves. And, um, you know, when I think, I think one of the messages I want to get out to people is to never give up on yourself and to reconnect with your, with your inner strength. And when people think about doing something like what I did or even bike riding across America or whatever it is that your passion leads you to want to do, hiking the Appalachian Trail, the first thing they might think of is someone that's that's young and fit and muscular and healthy. And, you know, that's not the case with me. I'm, I, I, did, I was 50 years old. I'm um, by medical records. I'm probably overweight. Um, I'm a size, you know, 12 to 14. Um, and I suffer from rheumatoid arthritis and chronic migraines. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not this person that one would think of for almost succeeding at an expedition like what I did. And I really want to encourage people with chronic pain to believe in themselves and to, never give up on themselves and to do the things in life that they truly love because it will make you happy. It will truly change you and make you happy and make you feel more fulfilled. And it will show you the type of strength that you have to come back to your everyday life and to manage it better. Yep. Yep. Man, what a great journey this has been to have you on the Everyday Leaders Program, Tracy. I I appreciate you so much. I appreciate Rick and Shirley connecting me to you <laughs> to to really get this, you know, as the, the first of the Everyday Leaders program for, for 2018. This has been a great, 
Mm-hmm. Oh. I really appreciate that they gave you my name. They're great individuals. They're wonderful people. They are wonderful And people. Um, I really appreciated the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Was there anything um, that you wanted me to expand on or anything I haven't touched on? I think everything that you've said is such a learning um, experience for people. And, and, you know, I want to be able to connect people that I will when we post this you know, all the things, how they can connect you. Follow your journey as you begin this this new expedition again. Uh, what's amazing is to continue to follow you uh, because that's where people get their inspiration. It's not from just, hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm watching you do it and trying to connect it to your own life in, mm-hmm. in those things that you can just start, right? Take that first step, make a decision to do it, get the mindset around it and just start doing it. Start trying and failing and learning about yourself. And right. Because, you know, when I, um, the biggest thing is, is going to be money. How are you going to fund something like this? And so it took me two years to, um, to work on that. And I, I did, I did things as simple as um, not taking my kids to the movies as often as I used to. We used to go to the movies, um, you know, sometimes two times a week. And, um, I cut back on that. Um, I started cutting their own hair their, my boys' hair instead of taking them to the, um, to this barbershop that was like $20 a child, $40, um, every couple of weeks, I started cutting their hair at home to save money. Um, when, when things around the house started to maybe break instead of calling a repairman or just uh, replacing it, I started trying to figure out how to fix it on my own, trying to save money. So there's always ways to try to um, find whatever it is that your, your dream is telling you that you want to do. Yep. Don't give up. Don't give up on it. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Well, Tracy, Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on the Everyday Leaders Program. Really appreciate you, and I can't wait to get to Kansas City to come see you in person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, that would be wonderful. My door is always open to you. I would love it, and I'm going to follow your journey. Maybe we'll sail next to you when you're kayaking. Oh, my God, that would be great. (laughs) You could be be my on-water support boat. (laughs) Start a little campaign, I'm telling you. It would be so much fun. But uh, That would be wonderful. Thank you so much, and, you know, always, always an open invitation for the Everyday Leaders Leadership Summit that we're hosting March 2nd in Indianapolis at the Art Museum. If you are available, I'd love to have you participate in that with us. So I will, yeah, that would be great. I will uh, send some information out to you on that. But uh, thank you very, very much for your time this afternoon and have a wonderful rest of the year of 2018. Thank you. You too. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis. Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guest from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful Newfields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit 
here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.